Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sadly for me, I count you as a friend. That's how I've hit rock bottom. Scottish players and Scottish managers were seemed, deemed to be the best. They came to England to teach the English. But I just remember the first time that you and I met and you said to me, welcome to the Madhouse. That was your opening game. And was I wrong? No, because I remember saying, if it's a madhouse, I'll f*** it straight in. It's the best environment to work in. Welcome to Simon and Sunes, a brand new show where we answer your questions and basically discuss anything we want. So nothing is off limits. Get into the comment section. Don't forget to keep liking and subscribing, posing questions. But let's get on with the show, Mr. Sunes. Back amongst the fold. Nice to yeah. see you here. The format is that people ask us questions and then we start to expand upon it. So the first one is from someone called MUFC Dave, Man United <laughs> fan. Who is your who is who is our, but in this instance, your best friend in football? Um I, several. I can't see one in particular. I mean, I was, I was very friendly with Michael Robinson, who sadly passed. Yep. Yeah, another Dave Johnson who passed mm. tells you. Vintage I'm from. Kenny Douglish and I roomed together for the best part of 10 years with Scotland and Liverpool. Alan Hansen was a great buddy. Sammy Lee was a great buddy. But um, I've got lots of really good friends in football. But that doesn't mean I stay in touch with them on a weekly basis. Um, but when our paths cross, we're still, you know, we um, talk about the old times. and Well, the and one that people will find intriguing, not one, because obviously I, I met Michael Robertson because he was over in Spain. And and obviously from my background of being Palace, he would play for Brighton before he ends up at Liverpool, didn't he? Um, but people will be fascinated about Kenny Dalglish. And in your first meeting, I met Kenny on a number of occasions. I knew his son, Paul, quite well, and who's a character. Um, but what I found about Kenny on a couple of occasions I met him in Marbella was how self-effacing and unaware of the perception of, or the value that he has in other people's minds. But you and Kenny Dalglish together, that must have been an interesting dynamic. Um, yeah, both similar, similar personalities. I think I've had maybe a thousand. Um, well, he's the president of his own fan club as well. No, he's not like me, no. no, no. I mean, I've had a thousand discussions with him and not one one. Hated right. debates, not one one. He always has to have the last word. Why are um, you? Yeah, can you believe that? Blimey. But he he is, um, yeah, we roomed together. He would take a sleeping pill on a Friday night because he couldn't sleep or when or, no, sat, whenever we were playing a fall he'd take a sleeping pill. And um, he would talk a language of, it was either Urdu or Cantonese or something for 10 minutes before he crashed out. Kenny talk, would speak Urdu? Talk, absolute b- 
So it wasn't Urdu or Cantonese, uh, it just was I'd, nonsense. Yeah, I'm not fluent in Urdu or Cantonese. Right, okay. Unfortunately. Or English. But it sounded a bit like that. Right. So he would, um, then I get some peace for until I fell asleep. But we, we had a very simple arrangement in our room because I'm from Edinburgh, he's from Glasgow, and his broad Scottish accent wasn't understood on the telephone. So anything to do with the telephone was my responsibility, and he had to get out of bed and answer the door if room service came or anyone came to the door. It worked really, really well. Um, and as far as friends for me in football, I suppose... Why about just friends? You got any friends? No. Sadly for me, I count you as a friend. That's how I've hit rock bottom. That's how yeah, low so I've got. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you're, you're I, a good choice then. Fond and admire certain people. Something like, like Theo Pafitas at Millwall was very good to me. What when makes first, a good friend to you? Um, someone that tells you the truth. Someone that doesn't. Um, someone that does. Someone that does what they say they're going to do and they do it. Um, I think friendships about loyalty, Graham. I think it's about standing together in certain situations and supporting one another. I think it's also about being honest, don't you? Did you, 100%, did you, did you find the football world an untrustworthy place? Yeah, a disappointment, especially as an owner, especially as a young owner. The reason why I bring Perfetus into the equation is because when I walked in the door, there was a lot of, because I was 31 and a lot of people had a certain vantage point about what you were and what you weren't. And perhaps I didn't help that with my own attitude towards life. But, but Theo gave me advice. And when it came crashing down for me, when you're winning, as you will have seen in your life, everyone's your friend. And when you're losing, you get to find out who's on your side and who's not. Um, and for me, when I go and wipe out 100 million quid, one of the few people that stood up for me. When 100 million me, was worth 100 million. Yeah. Now, now a small, oh, small, amount money, small amount of money by comparison. Um, if you, um, when you look at people that you've admired, I'm not, I don't know about you, Graham, but I'm not a bigger admirer of people. I am always, I have a sort of slightly pragmatic attitude towards life. I'm not very impressed by many people. Um, but one of the questions or one of the, the, the um, scenarios that is interesting is about who people do admire and who they would have liked to have met that, they, that they've admired but didn't. Who falls into that camp I for you? I think that's where we get on, you know. I'm the same. You know, I've, I was forever asked... Oh, who did you model yourself on as a player? So no one. Oh, there must be someone. No, there isn't. I just I go out and do my best, and whatever comes out of me is is me. Um, yeah. I I there's people you admire because of what they do for a living yeah. and how good they are at it, um, and then you sort of have a sort of brush with them somewhere in a, a dinner or in a restaurant or somewhere. So you don't really get to know what they're about. But I can't say I've ever got close to any anyone super famous that I felt let down by because I've never got that close to them. No, I mean, I've never sat... I mean, I in business terms, people used to, you know, what was your role model? Who were your heroes? Who did you want to be like? And I've never sat there thinking I wanted to be like anybody. I just wanted to be the best, best version, version of myself. Yourself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Who? Um, I think that's my, maybe why we got on. Because I think we're very similar in that respect. That, listen, you are what you are. Yeah, for good or bad, you know. I I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea, mm. but I think I know a wee bit about football. You're the same. You're not everyone's cup of tea, but you know. No, you, but I think we. You I know think your stuff. We have also. I think most of the time, not all the time, when we have a view, we can stand it up. Too many people in society and life get to say things, and then when you get them to qualify it, 
It's a load of old nonsense. There's no substance behind it. They've said it because they've heard someone else say it, or they've said it because they think it's a popular thing to say, or they've said it because it puts them in a camp where everybody can find it unchallenging what they say. Well, I think with you and I, and when I, when the reasons why when I spoke to you in 2006 and I wanted you to come to Palace was because I knew that there was substance there, whether people agree with your views on things or or not. You know, given that you're you're a proper media man now, I'm not. Do you, Given that you're a proper media man now, what well, bereft of principles, having there, no standards, yeah, having get, no knowledge. No, but in terms of like, for me, having been, I've jumped the fence. Mm-hmm. Did it 17, 18 years ago when I got sacked at Newcastle. You jumped the fence. You're now sort of pointing the finger at people. Does it bother you? Do you get much criticism? Um, no, it doesn't bother me. Um, it doesn't bother me unless I, I don't think I say stupid things for stupid reasons. I, I either. Again, going to the point that you and I were talking about, about the ability to stand something up. And I think people that can, that say things that can't stand it up are then open to criticism. So I get criticism from people that don't like what I have to say because it doesn't concur with their worldview. So if I say something about Man City, I can say about Man City, great football team, great football club, full of great personalities. Don't like the way that they've operated. Don't like the Middle Eastern money, but where it's being utilised to weaponise certain scenarios. And then people will forget all the good stuff and only remember the bad thing. And I hate that sort of single-minded simplicity of thinking. Yeah, that, no, I don't give a what people think. Do you? No. I don't. I, me and my kids worry for me. My, my, my wife worries for me. I, you know, I, I've been in football for 55 years in one guise or another, you know, from start as an apprentice at Spurs. And it's just part of the deal. You're going to get sick. I know that I polarise people, but I'm, I can live with that. It doesn't cause me any sleepless nights. You know, I open my mouth and say anything about Man United, and I'm, it's because I played for Liverpool and managed mm. Liverpool. So it's, it's just, and then, of course, I don't, you, do, do you do social media? Not particularly. I don't. I've got an Instagram to help promote the charity I'm involved right. with. But I, I mean that that is a dangerous. But if you are um, not feeble-minded, yeah. If you're not of a certain <laughs> disposition, I think social media can be a, a place where you know the, I'm going to say it for a weaker-minded person feeble, can destroy but, you. Yeah, but I mean I've never understood the mentality. I don't get it of the idea that a bunch of strangers that don't know you that have no value in your life telling you that they don't like you. Can somehow affect your mental. I get your mental. So do I. Get your mental, especially from Michelle. Yeah, Yeah, it can affect your mental resilience. Talking about mental resilience, one of the major components of, or one of the major protagonists or perpetuators of mental resilience was Alex Ferguson and his tenure at Man United. I mean, I only met him a couple of times, um, and he drank all my scotch in my boardroom, which I didn't appreciate. Um, That's because you had red wine in there, obviously. No. No, you wouldn't have been invited into the boardroom. What? And the first time I ever met you was in the Blackburn boardroom, actually. Um, first game, Palace. Your manager had a white suit on. Probably. He was like the man from Del Monte, wasn't he? Yeah. Good lad. What was his name? Alan Smith. Alan. Yeah, Alan. He, was, uh, he was what he was. Yeah. yeah. And not, not a good man in my view, but my experiences of him. But I just remember the first time that you and I met and you said to me, welcome to the Madhouse. That was your opening game. Was I wrong? No, because I remember saying, if it's a Madhouse, I'll it straight in and I'll be all right here. But Ferguson, what were your... Do you hold him in the greatest of reverence? Oh, yeah. Why? But I, mean, well, I played with great managers. You know, Bob Paisley was a mm. great manager. Um, Joe Fagan was a great manager. I didn't play under Shankly, but Shankly went to a club that wasn't doing well and built it up for Joe and for Bob. They took over a, a successful football club. 
Fergie went to Man United at a time when they were good, but they weren't they weren't winning leagues. They weren't winning the big no. trophies. Yeah, so they he, were winning FA Cup when Atkinson was a manager. Yeah, he had yeah. to go, and it wasn't a case of taking over and adding to it. It was a it was a case of taking over and getting rid of people that he thought weren't going on a journey with them. People who I mean, Man United had when I played had fabulous players, but they could certainly get up for the big games playing against us. I never played an easy game. When we were the dominant team, I never played an easy game against Man United. But then they'd let themselves down against the lesser so they weren't mm. they didn't have that focus that we had. And Fergie came in and, and got rid changed of those that, types, yeah. got got changed the there was there was a drinking culture at every football club. Mm. But I think at Man United, because of the way Manchester is and how you're revered if you're a Man United player and living in Manchester, I think some of the players found that difficult to deal with. But they always had a great group of players but couldn't achieve what they should have done. And then Fergie came in. So he built one team and then he built another team. So I think there's an argument for Fergie being the greatest Premier League manager mm. as we sit here today and talk about Premier League manager. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's going to be difficult to run in perpetuity with what Guardiola's doing now, isn't it? But, but, but Guardiola took over. You know, Mancini won a league. Yeah, um, Pellegrini this, this won a league. Dominance now, isn't it? This is this is total dominance. Yeah, you've now done a treble. There's a distinct possibility. I wouldn't put it beyond the wit of man that they could do it again. Difficult, of course. It's difficult to the first one, but it's a different job description. Mm. Going, yeah, because you, but yeah, but, you, but you've also got the the added pressures of United. You know, when Ferguson takes over in '86, they've been in a period for I won the league for twenty for since '68 or '67, whenever it was. You know, it must be 67 because it went after 26 years in 93, didn't they? So since 1967, you know, and they've had a group of good players coming in and out of that football club. But but in 86, when he comes in from Aberdeen, he's got a completely different Man United on his hands, hasn't he? But is it, it took him five years to Bill get Bill Nicholson going. was Scottish, wasn't he? No. Was he not? I thought Bill Nick was Bill Scottish. Bill was from Scarborough, I think. I'm oh, was he? Okay, that, was going to, that kind of negates my argument. So I was going to say, what is it with Scottish managers like Bill Shankly and Alex Ferguson that create... 
something in a football club. I thought, and I was going to say Bill Nick as well at Tottenham, but it wasn't. No, the I, end of that I think, conversation. So when going back in the history of football, Scottish players and Scottish managers were seemed, deemed to be the best. They came to England to teach the English, funnily enough. And um, I don't know. I think you're Where's talking. You that from? I think if you if you look into the history of football, Scottish players were were deemed to be the the challenging ones. Maybe such as whom? Don't ask me. I'm not that well, old. You, you just said it, no, so you've got to be able to substantiate it. I think it. I'm correct in saying this. If you look back in the history of the British game, Scottish players came down here to play because they were deemed to be in front of, say, the English player. Right. There's a myth perpetuated in Scotland, is it? It's one I'll talk about every day of the week. Not right. Have a look and you may learn something. But anyway, you're talking about Fergie and Jock Steen. You know, mm. he was Fergie's mentor. Jock, Jock was the, Jock was the, the governor. Mm. And interesting, I went out for um, lunch several times with it was just a great Scottish journalist, award-winning journalist. Come on, Hugh McIlvanny. Hugh McIlvanny. Mm. And I said to brilliant him, brilliant journalist, by the way. Well, they say he's great boxing writer the as best, well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and he narrated some great stuff mm. as well with that Ayrshire accent. Mm. I mean, just the irascible though, wasn't he? Um, mm. But anyway. At this luncheon, I said to him, "Okay, you've got, you've got Bob Paisley, Bill Shankly, Don Howe, sorry, Don Revy, Jock Steen, Matt Busby, and Fergie all sitting around a table. Who's the dominant voice?" Jock Steen, and he said, "Jock Steen." So he he had obviously relationships with all of them. He said, "Jock Steen would have been the, the dominant voice." He's the one who would have listened to. What do you think Ferguson would do with this current Man United malaise? You and I talk about it. We think there's a cultural problem at United. We think players like Martial are signposting the way for things not to be done. We're not picking players out just to weaponise that and victimise them, but we are using it as a part of an argument about how this culture at Man United developed. What do you think Ferguson would be doing well, if you, now? Well, he'd start by emptying them. Now, he would be the first one, Fergie, and he, and, and he, he repeated it just recently at Bobby Charlton's funeral. Who was top guy, by the way? Ask me about him. Um, That's not how it works. He had he had five years. I think it was five years before he really got Four. it going. Four. Well, he he and he only he only got that. No, but in terms of really getting the thing going, he wouldn't have got that if it hadn't been for Bobby Charlton, because similarly Bobby Charlton supported him through those difficult years. I can remember the banners. And the strip for them, Fergie, Time's Up, or along those lines. So he had that man who was putting fires out from in the boardroom and it kept him in place. And did they reap the benefits? Like, I I played under Fergie. What, for Scotland? For Scotland. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was the exact same as Bob Paisley, Joe Fagan, Roy Moran, simple, keep it straight. You know, would come down on the players if he felt they were shortchanging in any, any shape or form. And I was only ever dropped once in my life and it was the very last game it could happen to me in it was a cup in 86 in mexico i'd got a bug i'd lost a lot of weight we played west germany then we had played sorry denmark then west germany the third we needed to beat uruguay and he left me out for that game i can remember coming to my room in a hotel in mexico and i was i'd lost maybe a stone in weight and i just wasn't wasn't on it and he came in and i, I agreed no I said, you're doing the right thing. That was good of him. And he was really, really... But I, I knew I wasn't right. And um, subsequently he said, 
he'd written and he said that I was a mistake leaving me out because playing against the South Americans and it was like you're surprised he said that no I just I, I think is that your version of it no, or did no, he actually he, say I that I think if you get a book he, he, he references that okay but he was saying they were you know South American style cynical and I was an experienced pro at the time and he played Paul McStay instead of me but he 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 I ended up feeling sorry for him when he came. You know, he's got this like, aggressive persona. Mm. And I actually felt so that must have been difficult for him. But I was I was I wasn't happy to be left out, but I fully understood why he'd left me out. Would you have liked to play for him domestically? Oh yeah, I would have responded to yeah. his management. Yeah. Because and I know the world changes, and we're not just talking about football. I'm talking about society and, in life. And, yeah. yeah, society's changed dramatically. You know what? Tough love. I responded to tough love. I had that. From from Jack Chong. I had that when I went to Liverpool, my first game at Liverpool. I'm a record transfer fee between two English clubs. My first game is West Brom away from home. I'm in the dressing room at quarter to three. And I said to Joe Fagan, who was the nicest, softly spoken, mild manner, but did have his moments that he kicked off. I said, Joe, can I have a word with you? He said, Yes, son, what is it? I said, well, Look, I've been here a week and no one said anything to me. How's he want me to play? His resp- his response and a booming voice, so everyone in the dressing room could hear, was F off. We will spend all this money on you and you asked me to Work play football. Yourself, yeah. And you asked me to play football and walked away. That, in the modern dressing room, they'd be straight off to HR. I can't play today. Do I you, need to have a lie down. Because you're, you're, you're a bit like me, but I think you're even more vociferous about the, the over-mystification of football now oh. and, the, and the terminology is being banded around. Sam is so correct. So mm. correct. There's no mystery to it. The good habits that we're doing, that people were do, the top players were doing 50s, 60s, 100 years ago, are the same good habits that people are doing now. I played in a team that dominated. You know the only thing they told us? Match them for effort. Match them for effort. That team's down near the bottom, you're near the top. If you don't match them for effort, they will beat you. Mm. So when you look at Man City in the last few years, it's easy to focus on the wonderful passing, intricate movements. It's one. It's one of to look at you know, the power and the pace of Haaland, you know, the clever passing of De Bruyne. It's lovely, that's what you focus on, but you're missing it. They're working harder, yeah. or as hard as anyone they're playing against. And at the weekend against Spurs, Spurs did that to them. Spurs outran them. They were more aggressive in their closing down. They put the really hard yards in from the first minute to the last minute, which was very impressive. Mm. I felt City just didn't have that intensity that they've had over the years on Saturday, but that's do not write City out. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Do you do you think Spurs? I mean, I've, do you, do you do you understand the terminology Spursy? Do you relate to it? I don't relate to. It. I understand it. I don't relate to it. No, I, but do you, I don't say relate to it in terms of I'm, something you. It's not grace, something but do you I recognise. Do you relate to understanding what the terminology it's means? Something I would have personally hated if anyone. Yeah, but do you know what it means when people say. T- yeah, yeah, yeah. Or flaky, they can be rolled light, over. A bit lightweight. Yeah, they can be rolled do you think, over. Do you think this easy to play against? You think this? Do you think this version of Spurs? I mean, I think not what we've seen this year, Sam. I think Postacoglu is fortunate though, because I think you had to have all the dark of Conte to give him the light, and he can he can be balls out in this respect because whatever Conte, the way that Spurs have been playing for the last couple of years, the fact that he's prepared to play completely different gives him headroom anyway, doesn't it? See, I I always I always I got a stick for it when you know it's not the West. I was on telly, and it was we're talking about West Ham. Someone said, well, "It's the West Ham way." I said, "What is the West Ham way?" Because yeah. in my lifetime, in football, West Ham, you know, they were easy to play against. They, you know, they tried to play the game right, you know, pass, pass. But 
the West Ham way wasn't winning trophies. You know, it's like Spurs supporters say, we have to play the Spurs way. Well, there's only one way to play winning football. By winning? Yeah, by have by really aggressive, yeah. really aggressive, and having a manager or a staff that are constantly on your case without going over and falling out with you that you've got to match them driving today. You've got to match them, driving, driving you on. Another story to, to, to emphasise that point. At Liverpool, my seven years there, we won the league five times. Pre-season training, after we'd won the league, following, you know, season, three months later. A week at home, 10 days at home, then we'd go off and tournament somewhere. Towards that, that week or 10 days at home training, two sessions a day, at the end of one of the second sessions, we're in the dressing room, sitting there, you've got, you know, you've, you're tired, you've had a couple of hard days on top of another couple of hard days, and then you're sitting there, you're feeling good, you've had a shower, a bit of banter in the dressing room. Ronnie Moran would walk into the dressing room with a cardboard box that someone had delivered something to the stadium and then throw it onto the table, and he said, if you played enough games and you think you deserve one, there's a medal in there for you and walk out. <laughs> there was no great presentation. Yeah. There you are. And he'd go disappear for five seconds. Then he'd come back in. And he just probably said, and he wouldn't come into the dressing, he just probably said, and by the way, we get F all this year for what's in that F and box and walk away. So before I've kicked a ball, he's put a marker down, we're on it as from now. But there's something said for that, isn't there? Oh, it was just it was just the best environment to work in. Right, that's it for episode one of Simon and Sunis. Don't forget to keep liking and subscribing. Don't forget to leave the questions in the comment section below. And we'll see you next time out. Mm-hmm.